The following program is an abridged audio version of the streaming video talk show, A Wonderful Chaos. The hosts are Andy Chaliff and Bambos Dimitriou. The format is entirely casual, unscripted conversation. If you'd like to watch a live taping or participate with your comments in real time, subscribe to A Wonderful Chaos on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, or Twitch. Abundance feeling is I see when I'm channeling that, I'm creative, I'm focused, I'm driven, and I'm always finding solutions. My mindset is whatever comes up, I'll figure it out. The scarcity, everything is a problem. So I don't look at the world in terms of opportunities to create and grow and do new things. I look at it in terms of everything that I create or do creates potential problems, and I don't like problems, so I'm going to do fewer things. It's a wonderful chaos. Tandem. We work to find rest and fight to find peace. Both head and the heart. I can let you in. What are we doing here? You mean listening to this show? Where the more that you learn is the less that you know. Where the wounded are healer and the atheist pray? It's a wonderful chaos and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos and we like it that way. So scarcity versus Abundance. Abundance. What happens when you've got one mindset or another mindset? How does the world look? What do you do differently? And we don't have a guest today. Interesting was that even the topic and the fact that guests didn't come up, I see a very strong relationship immediately. Yeah. You see that? Yeah. Well, imagine we, we spend time booking guests in. They cancel last moment for whatever reason. Yeah. That could, if I can imagine if it was anyone else, it's shit. Already they're going to the scarcity mindset. And with us, it's like, oh, we're very present. Yeah. We have space. What, what shall we play with? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that was it. That for me is a very clear example of an abundance mindset. Beautiful. And the abundance mindset is he tells me two hours before we go live, Andy, I can't make it. I'm sick. He was yeah. He wasn't well. And I, and I say, great, take care of yourself and we'll, we'll see you when you get better. Yeah. And I could see he felt good. He felt appreciated because he felt bad. And then I just sat and said, oh, what do I want to talk about? And then I realized we canceled our show for Monday. And so we just brought it forward. So this subject, Andy, is really close to my heart because mm. as, you, as you know, you, you've kind of witnessed me through COVID yeah. suffering. Yeah, We're talking, running out of money, yeah. going to the supermarket, not having enough on my account to pay for shit, and then having to take it back, leaving the supermarket crying, not celebrating. Yeah. And in a way, I used the show in the beginning to kind of, and because every day I was like completely collapsed and I would come on the show. How are you doing, Bambos? I ran out of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Andy... You've been a great support in that way because you've done you've done several things to help me overcome, yeah, or come to peace or come to terms with my situation. The first thing you said to me was, "Next time this happens, I want you to celebrate it." You like 
to the point where, hey, guys, you, know, you go on Facebook, write a post about it. Like, hey, guys, those shitty moments where you go to the supermarket <laughs> and you run out of money, you can't pay for anything. And it's fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> like, learn to celebrate it. Uh, yeah. Because it's happening. And I also learned I chose to be an artist. Yeah. And with that choice, there's consequences. Uh. And, you, you know... It, it's been such an amazing journey for me. Mm. You, you even threw money on my account through literally without asking yeah. 3000 euros. And you're like, sit with the discomfort of not having to ask for it. <laughs> yeah. So since Cyprus, I would say being at this waterfall and being surrounded by a lot of love with my family and just sourcing back to my roots mm. i was all of a sudden recognizing where where i have denied myself all that love and all that abundance especially from nature mm. and living in cyprus like let's just say my family is very close let's say that my sister is the head of the family in a way she has a, a relatively big house yeah everyone goes in and out they know where the key is the fridge is always full there's always food and there's always this community going on. And I'm like, wow, I live in a foreign country and I've, I haven't had that experience since I left when I was 19. Wow. And I've always felt I had to do it alone. Mm. I have to do it alone. And that also came from a, from a kind of egoic wanting to prove something. Yeah. And as soon as I let that shit go, it's just been in flow hmm. and and I, and you can't control it by the way i can be talking like this now and tonight shit hits the fan but yeah it, it's it's what i'm what i'm feeling into it's a state of being as opposed to a concept in the mind that you try to grasp yeah if it, it is a state of being yeah and I think the other thing, Andy, was uh, Nicole Costeros, as you know, we had her on the podcast. We spoke mm -hmm. about money. Uh, I wanted to hire her to be my my coach. Yeah. And even the decision I made of even having entertained the thought of wanting to work with her um, and also buying a house in Cyprus completely uh, shifted for me the way, I, the way of being because I'm like, okay, now I've got shit to do. Uh, Sorry, guys, tripled my prices on my photographic services. Um, I stopped giving friends discounts mm -hmm. because what I've been doing, working with friends, has been killing me under the month with struggling. Yeah. So when people want to work with me, they pay the full price. They'll get the best quality and the like just valuing what I bring into the world, like the amount of emotion, creativity, the energy, the the passion, the love that I put into a shoot. Yeah. Th that's priceless. That's like a piece of me. That's like a piece of my meat. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's been great. And I'm really okay when people say, oh, you triple your problem. Like, yeah, I did. I, like, this is really a consequence of, of me wanting to grow and develop myself. Yeah. And there's only been like, three people that found it expensive mm -hmm. and I get it. Yeah. But a lot of the other people have been coming in. Yeah. yeah. So it's been great. Wow. So I haven't had rest the last few weeks just because I'm working a lot. That's incredible. 
Yeah, I, I it's funny because that flow state, um, I see that that often comes with a, the abundance state. And, uh, and it's, it's hard because you, it's hard to discuss it and not understand it as a feeling you have inside of your being. Yeah. And, um, and, and I'll, I'll often see it come up even in like, because Ronnie and I, we are uh, different in terms of how we, um, how we look at the life. Ronnie wife. Ronnie is my wife for those who don't know. Ronnie will often look in terms of mitigating downside risk. So what is our downside risk here? What's the worst thing that can happen? And I will be dreaming out what's the thing we really want to have and how do we want to make that, you know, ex- exist in the world. Yeah. So, and it's nice because we do appreciate the role that each one has. I think it's important not to judge the roles because that would then be arrogant to say that one is better than another. And yet, if they're not seen as different roles at different times, it, it can limit your capacity to grow. Because to, to touch to that point, I see I, I worked in um, in coaching and mentoring people for a lot of years now, right? Especially like, couples. Especially couples. But in money, obviously, is the big issue that comes up. And sex. Yeah, that as well. <laughs> but the... the um, the uh, the big issue that uh, would come up would be around the perception of scarcity and abundance in terms of how they were interacting in the world. Mm. And I saw that, in, if I go back to Ronnie and I, I'll often dream of where I want to be, what I want to be doing. And even before I stop finishing the dreaming, Ronnie will then fall into, but we don't have this. What about that? And and I even I haven't even had the opportunity to dream it out yet, and uh, and it's already being sort of crushed by logistics. This really happens, guys. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. And and not only does it happen with us, it happens with a lot of people that are watching because this is a typical scenario we face. Not only in in fam- familiar relationships, when you go into a business environment and you have these open days where people come together. And they're all supposed to go through a process together. You'll see the behavior of certain individuals within that. They'll have a real hard time surrendering to thinking big because they have to implement it. And so they're always thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want us to do these big ideas, but you never you never give us budget for it. So they're already cynical before they start. Yeah. Um, but I guess the the thing I was was pointing at is that in the world of thinking in abundance, I saw there's also a trap because when I, when I've done this throughout the years, I've seen there's also this type of persona that says you've got to spend money to make money. And I've seen this happen a lot, not as much nowadays, but certainly uh, say 15, 20 years ago, spend money in what way. And so there'd be people that would say, we got to go out and we got to take our customers to the most expensive restaurants. Oh yeah, yeah. We've got to like, buy a nicest car when we drive to them because we've got to give a really strong impression. We got to give them, you know, the, the you've got to, we got to make it look like we are as wealthy as we, uh, as fake it till we make it, mentality. fake it till you make it mentality. Yeah. So that's not what I'm talking about with abundance. That's not what I'm talking about. And, and, and I, and I'm a little bit worried people might think it is that, but it isn't. It, abundance is an internal state. 
It's a feeling. It's a sense that when I, for instance, when I transferred the money to your account, yeah, um, you know, clearly you didn't ask for it. In fact, the fact you didn't ask for it was exactly the reason. So there was in my mind an abundance to sort of create an opportunity that I don't know what it's going to create. People listening would think that you'd be grateful for me to do that. But in the back of my mind, I also know it's going to create some bit of frustration and maybe even anger in you. It could, right? Because it's undermining your self-image of being independent. No. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying it did. I'm saying it could. Uh, I can share afterwards, <laughs> yeah. but continue. So I guess what I'm getting at is that abundance feeling is I see when I'm channeling that, I'm creative, I'm focused, I'm driven, and I'm always finding solutions. My mindset is mm-hmm. whatever comes up, I'll figure it out. The scarcity immediate everything is a problem so i don't look at the world in terms of opportunities to create and grow and do new things i look at in terms of everything that i create or do creates potential problems and i don't like problems so i'm going to do fewer things so i really do see it's almost like not taking a risk well the the consequence if you have more scarcity is you don't take many risks or you don't take as many risks because there's fear of failure So, you know, a quintessential moment was when I was doing this trip and I, you know, we purchased this house in Spain, like no intention to buy a house. I'm on a vacation and the light bulb hits and I know this is it. This is this is exactly the right moment. And there was an incredible feeling of abundance there. I want to take it a little bit back to you and Rani, like you guys have different polarity almost. Yeah in a way of um, like from dreaming to looking at the, what do you call it? Uh, downside potential, downside, downside risk. Potential, yeah. They use that term in finance a lot. And she's in finance. So yes. Of course that makes sense. Yeah. So I can imagine, and I, I, like with you guys, the way it plays out, I don't see you guys trying to convince the other of, it's really about listening and making, acknowledging and finding what makes sense. Yeah, yeah, but but it didn't wasn't always there. And I also see there's sometimes when I will get triggered by it. Because if I'm dreaming and then Ronnie is uh cutting off the dream over and over again. You said crush before. I like that word. I, I use the word crushed. Yeah. Huh? She crushes my dreams. Yeah. She'll <laughs> she'll crush it, right? Um and, and then and then I'll it doesn't really happen as much now because we've found a way to navigate it together. But in the past, I would get triggered by it and say, you know, like, let us dream first before we do the logistics of why it won't work. Let's at least get into what we want and how how that would look. And and so um, there is a degree to which um, which uh, we had to find a way to make that work for both of us. Yeah. And, and w- what would you say was the thing? that contributed to making it work with everything and in, in everything I'll, I'll teach is always awareness. I need to know what's going on. So, and no blame. So awareness is, Oh, I see. I'd like to imagine things. The awareness is Ronnie is telling me why it won't work. I see in myself as that happens, I stop dreaming. Mm. And so then it, I brought that awareness into our dialogue. 
And so instead of talking about my dream, I said, Ronnie, there's this moment that I see between us where I would love to see where we might go by dreaming. um, It doesn't mean we're going to do it. It doesn't mean that we have to do it, but we've dreamt it out at least. Mm. And I think what she and I, what we learned from one another is at some point she told me, she said, oh, because you dream it doesn't mean it has to happen. And I think that in her mind, she took a responsibility that if we dream it out, that, we, have that to do it. we have to do it. And then it might burden her having to figure out all the logistics. All the logistics. And so, and then I took that burden off of her and said, listen, um, I'm not going to do a 90% of the things I dream, but the dreaming process brings so much joy. Why would I want to, um, why would I want to stifle that? So you're not busy with the house. You're just busy with the vision. Say that again. You're not busy with the how we're going to do it. You're, you're, you're actually envisioning how it's going to feel, what's it going to look like. Is yeah. That, is that true? I, I, it goes in phases. So the first phase is what do I really want? So that that's very much living in the abundance. Mm. And then how do I get there can stay in abundance if – each situation that arises, I view it as a challenge, something to learn to know, or I view it as a problem like, oh, my God, I didn't know this. Oh, we shouldn't have gotten the house. Oh, my God. What are we going to do now? Tension, tension. Yeah. tension and closure. so even before we bought the house, I said, Ronnie, we're buying this house. We know there are going to be problems. Like, But I'm inviting those problems in my life or challenges. I use the word problem but I use it feeling it as a challenge. It's not just the word, it's the connection to the word. Yeah. So, and I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it. I'm going to learn stuff about Spain, about Spanish. I've already learned water rights. I've had, you know, I live in a place that has scarcity of water in the Alpajaras. So now I'm like learned, I've got a guy every nine days. He comes on a moped. No one knows his names. He opens some canal, the water comes, you know, so like I'm learning how these systems work. And there's a fun, playful narrative to it. Now, I also know the water's drying up. So there is a likelihood that at some point... You can't use your swimming pool. uh, Exactly, (laughs) that I can't use a swimming pool. And and then the question back to me is, if I can't use my swimming pool, would I still live in that house? Yes. So, So in a weird way, I'm continually quieting the voice by just allowing myself to continually celebrate all the things that may arise. And if the house burned down tomorrow, it would suck. But hey, I've gotten so much joy, as you know, only from connecting to the feelings that have arisen me with this place, that it's already served me without ever having lived there. You see how much joy that place has given me over the last weeks. Definitely. So I it, mean, you've been talking about it on every podcast, yeah. except for and, yesterday's. And even when I don't, oh, also yesterday, I, I try to bring it in. I'm like, oh, we got to talk about this place. So, yeah. Yeah, you're talking about a way of being in the world. Yeah. Beautiful, Andy. Yeah, that, that mindset is not something that came naturally to me. Yeah, do tell. I lived in deep fear. I remember, so I was... When I was living in Vienna, which was, say, uh, 17 years ago, I was that director of the computer company. I made so much money for so what I would now say so little. 
So they took care of me. I got a car. I got my vacations. I got everything. And I got paid way too much money. Yeah. And I could not leave that job because I was scared. I was scared I'd never get a job that good. I'd never get a job where I had that much freedom because after working there for 10 years, I'd built up so much credibility that I got a lot of freedom to make decisions that were pretty wild. So in a way, you losing that job also might decrease your level of living in your mind. It would decrease my level of living. But you know what's even more interesting than the level of living is your status. Because Identity. I was... What? Identity. The identity. Because I was a director of a computer company. I was in a computer company that went public. And that was, uh, you know, a role in Austria. Because if you call director, they don't even call you by your name in Austria. They call you Herr Director. It's like a doctor. You know, hey, doctor. So I actually, you know, was Herr Director, which is just absurd in my, in my way of living. How, right? how old were you? So my, I started in my mid-20s and then ended in my mid-30s. And then your mentor saved you. And then my mentor saved me, yeah. And then so, but my point was, I quit the job and then I sold everything I owned and went to the attic space. But what happened there was fear. I called all the people up who I had relationships with before. And since I no longer had the status, a lot of those people didn't return my calls. Like, I didn't realize that a lot of my relationships were not based on friendship. They were based on necessity. They needed something from me. So I was treated nicely, not because we were friends, but because it was transactional. Yeah. So that was a big, big wake up for me. It was like, wow. So I now need to embrace that maybe what I thought about all these relationships wasn't true all that time. Because you, you, you feel that they were friendships. They were friends in my head. And then all of a sudden I call them up and they didn't have time anymore. And so that was the one. And, and the second one was I remember in the early days we would sit around a table, Case, I, and, and Kai, his wife, and, um, and I would share how scared I was that I was going to die alone, that, that I would uh, not succeed, and that, uh, and that financially I would be homeless. Like that was the deepest, darkest fear at that time. I remember crying at the table and making peace with the fact that, you know, who knows? I'm now chosen not to live in this life of status and prestige. I'm letting myself be, you know, it, it was scary. Yeah. And it took, I, I didn't know this about you. Actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was scary. Yeah. So so I had to go into the deepest, darkest wells of anxiety and fear and make peace with that because what I saw was underneath all the bravado was a scared little kid that I've given up every all of my security and now I have to be an entrepreneur. And you, obviously, you know how hard that is or challenging that can be. Yeah. 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 There, there's nothing that you share just know that doesn't resonate. Yeah, and we've been through this together in your own life. Yeah. So yeah, going into that dark hole as an entrepreneur is not a... Yeah, but you never told me that you had those specific fears because when you were holding space for me, Yeah. now, now, I, now I, I understand why you could hold space for me. Yeah, I'd been through it myself. Yeah. 
existential fear. Existential I'm going to die alone. I'm not going to make anything of my life. I'm going to not the, financially, I'm not going to be able to sustain, sustain my own life. Like those were all underlying anxieties. Mm. And, uh, and obviously with the status gone, how stupid am I? I was in this incredible place. I don't know if I really felt that. That's not true. But I did let go of the golden handcuffs that I had. Yeah. Which is all an illusion anyways. But it was, it's, we live in illusions that would make us feel comfortable. Magdalena Lammer, this says, described situation I know well. Me is just running. Me is just like running, looking at it. Yeah. So Magda, we've known Magda for years, but Magda has a very similar quality that she will look at what can go wrong. Yeah. And uh, and uh, and yeah, I think that goes very deep, not only in um, individuals but in societies, because mm. Magda is in in uh, in Austria, and that is a quality. If I look at cultures, I also see that cultures have, if you look in America, you see that there is, in general, more of an abundance mindset. In America. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's all based, funnily enough, I took, you know, I don't know if I ever told you this, probably you read it. I took when I was in the University of Sydney in Australia, I took, I cheated and I took a course called Themes in American History. <laughs> You cheated. Well, I mean, I'm an American knowing more about the history than anyone else in that class, of course. Oh, yeah, go on. So, so I, I, in the course, the teacher, he, yeah, you know, he played, he, he, he was, it was called Themes in American History, not because it was about American history. He was highlighting the mentality, which was very much part of this go. There was this, when P, the colonists first came to America, there was this mentality that was go west you can always get more land if you go west. It's called manifest destiny. It's our right to continually to expand and get our own piece of land. And you hear it in the words today still spoken from that time. Yeah, the land of opportunity. That's the word that's often used still even to today. And that came from, you know, that came from the early settlers. So this way of thinking in abundance is really fascinating because it was it's carried through to, to today. And and uh, you see how society forms when there's more of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we have another comment, Andy. Nice. Chris Garrell. Hi, Chris. I asked Chris to take your place yesterday and he had a meeting so he couldn't join. And I, I was talking about you, Chris, this morning on the emotional intelligence podcast we had someone was asking me for a good book on emotional intelligence like fuck books watch this watch the ted video <laughs> what was the name of that video please write it chris so we can uh, put it on air yeah. so he says my partner is also a what can go wrong style but she was a production engineer and was valued for seeing what could slow or interfere with production yes yeah i would like to keep that one on for a moment um so I once did this matrix, which you've seen me do. I love my four quadrants. Yeah, yeah. And in those quadrants, I had, um, you know, there, in, you, when you build out a quadrant, there's the four quadrants often. And then you have the, um, the axes or the, the points that are furthest away from another. And the axis that I had away was direction. So basically the thing that's set through a, uh, uh, what do you call them? Through a uh, setting of milestones and management. 
and 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 I always put these two things in tension to one another because a director or a visionary they put in everything that needs to to be done or to be achieved. A manager's job is to take away anything that gets in the way of that being achieved. Mm-hmm. So the actual qualities of those individuals for their success has to also be different. So in this way, it's funny, you wouldn't say that a scarcity type mindset is negative. What you'd say, it's more suitable just for some roles rather than others. Yeah, context. The context is really important. So, I, and, I, and I think that that often can be, judgment can easily come up because if someone says, oh, you've got a scarcity mindset, there's an idea that that's a negative. But actually, you could certainly say, and, and I lived, I got, I, I, I learned how to work in business because I had such a scarcity mindset, I became really good as a manager. I could anticipate what was going wrong. I was fearful as hell because dad was so abusive that if anything went wrong, I would always get a shout, shout down. So that. So, so you're managing dad? I was managing dad. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. So in that way, that's why I think in the relationship with Ronnie, we, we, um, we found a way to make it really work for us. And I don't, I don't, um, she's funnily enough, she trusts me more now to vision because she knows that I'm not going to act or execute anything that she's not a hundred percent behind. Was she a hundred percent behind the house? So you're going to love this. So in Spain, we, in the trip, I'm I, already loving this. We already fly to Spain. I get in the house and I know we were going to purchase this house. I know the second I drive in, like I'm, I'm there. And I also know we have a tight time window because other people are going to be coming to visit and, and on and, 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 and so on. And you kind of skipped the, the real estate agent. You went and, yeah, to- we went straight talking to the man, to, to the owner of the house, and he was nice. We had nice contact. So there was also a relationship that I didn't want to, to mess with. I'm there. I'm all over it. And while we're there, Ronnie's saying, yeah, but, but, but. And what she's saying but to is not what's there. She's saying but to what she wants to add. So she's actually saying, yeah, but I want more flowers. But I want a tree there. But I want, like, I'm like, yeah, but the raw, the raw beauty is here, right? We don't need to. So it, I was confused because she wasn't seeing what I was seeing. She was seeing what she wanted to do that to the house. Yeah. Um, but she wasn't showing the excitement. So we sat and had lunch right afterwards. And I said to her, Ronnie, like, you got to help me here because I'm not going to go for this until I see excitement from you. And I don't know what's really there. What what, what am I not? What am I missing? And then then we had this talk. She said, I love the place. I just see the changes we're going to make so that we really love being there. And then I had this smile like like I got even more excited about the house because I'm like, yeah, I of course I want our touches to be in this house. But. Like, I'm only looking at, is this the place we want to start the project, right? Yeah. So you're probably looking at a house with furniture that looks like came oh, from my grandmother. It was. Great grandmother. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and I was happy the furniture was bad because I'm like, if it was really nice, the house would have been even more appealing for more people. So cosmetically, you can throw out old furniture and put new stuff in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That, that, that the... <laughs> The scarcity mindset, which I've also equated to more of a management mindset, is, um, is like I said, a role that I think is really important 
And I don't see it being celebrated. I see often in processes it's being there judged. It's being judged. Yeah. And Chris Gorell would know that because he's doing a lot of these kind of courses where, where, um, where that would come up. Yeah. Um, so someone that's a manager mm-hmm. and they're working in this job and they hate it. Yeah. But because they're earning good money, they're, they're not wanting to like what you had, right? Yeah. They, they Golden wanna, handcuffs. They don't want to. So in the end, where do we say that the scarcity mindset is bleeding into everything else in their life? So here mm. it's serving and now it's also coming. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it. Like you, you, you pointed it on, like you're hitting the nail on the head because it's, it's funny. The thing that helps you be successful in one area is exactly the same thing that stops you from succeeding in the next area. So the fact in my own case, I live with such a, a high scarcity mindset meant that I could manage well. But as soon as I wanted to move out of management, then all of the fear and risk came up and anxiety of what it would mean to be an entrepreneur without a fixed income. So it did that scarcity did not serve me in that next mm. in that next step. Yeah. And then I had to make peace with those voices, which was a journey and a learning process. And uh, and then it evolved from there. Yeah. And then you've got people like Tony Robbins saying, if you want to succeed, burn the boats. <laughs> if you burn the boats. Does he say that? Yeah. If, if you're if you're on an island. Uh-huh. On, on, no, I got that. Yeah. I didn't know that he said burn the boats. <laughs> yeah, burn the boats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Funny. Oh. Yeah. But that that's, you know, in, in, in the interesting thing in my coaching, because I, I'll. I'll do more mentoring and coaching, and we did a show on that. Which, which you can, you guys can go back. And many watch people that. liked it's, it. It's and a great Chris, show. Chris really enjoyed that. I, I have friends who are coaches who watched it to get clear what the difference was. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And but the the I'll do more mentoring, and what I what I've seen a big portion of my mentoring is dealing with people that are have been very good in management roles within an organization. And now they've been put into an executive director role. And, and the challenge is, is the, the qualities or the behaviors required to be successful in the next level are different than the ones in the level, in the level before. Mm. So it's a really, it's a, it's a, I would, I would say it's less of a learning skills and it's more of a making peace with parts of who you are that you haven't yet made peace with yeah um i i find in my life handy because i mean during covid i also had to ha- come to terms with i have no control in my life mm. like we we have we or i can say i had the illusion of safety i was really doing well in my business before covid and yeah. then when it hit i had no control yeah, there was absolutely nothing I could do on the level that I was operating. Mm-hmm. Like I had to reinvent the wheel, so to speak, or figure out, okay, what can I do now? Yeah, we, like virtual shoots, for example. Yeah, ha ha ha. Anyway, um, just no control. So, so even even the fact that we try to hold on to things when they're going well is also that scarcity mindset. So I think, again, a big learning from you again by being with you mm. is um, enjoy it, but hold it lightly. Yeah. 
And that holding it lightly is, has been really key for me because even though things are going well, I, I could really see an old pattern of mine anticipating in two months, maybe it's shit. <laughs> yeah, you used to do that a lot, right? I remember. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, and and yeah. then because I, I, I was like, whoa, man, see where you are. <laughs> yeah. I'm, two months is going to be shit. So all of a sudden, I'm not even enjoying the fruits of my work in the present moment. Yeah, I noticed that a lot with you is that you would often talk about what could go wrong in the future when things were going so well there. Yeah. How are things going? Well, who knows two months from now? <laughs> <laughs> who knows two months from now? What are you talking about? Yeah, Andy, I'm just co keep keeping up with the bank account. Like it would be very much toning down any celebration of, of like just the state you were in at that moment, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I I also see where I am today. I, I'm really speaking from uh, from the core. Actually, it's really sourced from yeah. the core. Yeah, it's been it's been nice to be with you on the show as well. Even when you were tired, because a lot of people don't know that there were there's moments when you were tired, and then I would, and then I would carry more of a Hello. show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And 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 uh, even when you're tired, you're present tired. Yeah, which has really been beautiful to see. It's yeah. just it's just what you would call actually fully owning where you are. Yeah, and that and actually that's the strength. That's what I've discovered. Yeah, yeah, and I see that that's what you do really well nowadays. Is you just allow yourself to be, and then how and that that for me is also I do equate that also with abundance, because in, in some way I say. Allowing myself to be without shame, guilt, or or needing to defend anything is is welcoming everything. So it's almost the abundance is felt in that way. You know, mm. uh, gratitude. I also equate a lot with abundance as well. I know. Chris Carell writes us again. Begins with gratitude for what you have. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he wrote that before or after no, I said uh, it. Before. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think that state of mind is, uh, is it, it, it primes your mind in a way. Like I, I, even as things are challenging at any given moment, I really am holding this feeling like, wow, this is so, I'm blessed. I can't believe the opportunities I have and I've been given and I just feel grateful. Day after day. Yeah. 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 I even, it was interesting because the, even the third book, how the third book came about when I wrote it, mm. I wrote it not knowing what, if it was going to actually turn into anything. And then uh, 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 the friend who often helps me edit sent me a message says, do I know of anyone with a book project? And then I didn't even think about my book project. I thought, well, let me find somebody who, who, um, who would be able to do afford him because he's not he's not inexpensive. And and then a day later, I wrote him back and said, you know what, I've got a book. I mean, I can't afford the rate that we would maybe normally go at, but hey, if you're open, I I would totally be happy. And if you're cool, we can do it. And and he like you know he, he was almost like Andy, you you like. I, I can't do it for free, but I would do it. You know, that feeling. Yeah. And so it was, and in that way, it was funny because I saw I was giving myself abundance. You were giving yourself. Oh, yeah. I was giving myself abundance. And it sounds like he was also in abundance. The fact that he 
asking actually is normally the first step. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a beautiful. And then and, and, and think about it. I'm in the middle of all these other changes going on at the moment. And then that was something that I also decided to do. So that was very much a ha huh, inflow inflow. Yeah. And uh, Bola Lung interestingly writes, my view of scarcity versus abundance mindset has shifted. So Bolong, I'd love more context to see what uh, what you mean when you say that. Since you started watching this show. Yeah, exactly. Is it since you watch this show or is it since you were a child? Yeah. NJC. He please, sends us a square, which please, we don't know what please, that means. Please translate that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't make me Google this. Yeah, don't make us <laughs> Google what a square means. Yeah. Thank you, JC, for your comments earlier in the week. When we had uh, Tom Heide... Thomas Heider. Thomas Heider this week. And I I was trying to explain that every every miniature decision that we make in a day, Mm -hmm. from the things that we're going to eat to the decision to go out for a walk, for for like self-nurture, to uh, possibly zoning out on a program, to making a phone call, which is important and not delaying it. Like I've just seen my life shift since I've, started making really strong decisions. Like I'm not postponing this anymore. Just bam, yeah. bam, bam, bam. I need to get this now. I'm doing it. Ah. And it, and I think, I think during COVID, because I was also feeling a lot of physical pain and emotion, mm. um, I would, I would be scared to take action. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I see what, like I, I, I see a connection that I didn't see before. And I do see that when I live in more scarcity, I procrastinate more. Hold back. Yeah. And when I live in the abundance, I say, this is what's going on. And I'll pick up the phone and address it very quickly. And then there's there's the flow that the word we've used a few times that keeps that state in in sort of a reinforcing positive loop. So, yeah, I, I see procrastination. I definitely associate with scarcity. So JC says three squares, one after another equals listening. You are the best. So what does one square mean? Exactly. <laughs> you are half listening, but three is I'm really listening. Yeah. Uh, oh, this is f- nice. So Bolalong says, I never thought of good managers who mitigate risks as having scarcity mindsets. I never thought of good managers who mitigate risks as having scarcity mindset. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, so let's agree, Bola Long, you can't generalize over an entire population. But what I can say is the trait of anticipating things that can go wrong and addressing them beforehand is very good in a management role. So that's the trait we're looking at here. Not We're not, you know, saying, you know, just people with scarcity or good managers. That's the trait. And I'm suggesting it's often associated with scarcity. So There's also something interesting yeah. that I've learned from you again. <laughs> <laughs> and that is looking at the way people behave. Yeah. So not, 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 a t- not saying if someone is having a scarcity behavior, that's not their identity, but it's just the behavior that they exhibit. Yes. Um, and, and I think I, I've also had quite a lot of people asking me like, wow, you're really telepathic. I'm like, wow, 
that's what I normally would tell Andy. Like, yeah. how do you <laughs> so, understand? How do you understand me? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's more about looking at a behavior and oh, that behavior has mm. certain consequences in life. Yes. So you can really see where they're going. Yeah. It, I'll, the term we did a show on this. Remember the show we did on this topic when we were walking across the east, mm. the, the east coast, personal versus impersonal. The one thing that changes everything. A great show, by the way. If you haven't seen that show. I think that was one that I got a lot of people that appreciated the one thing that changes everything. You say that for a lot of our, the, our favorite shows. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that was one that I caught people calling back. I, I don't get callbacks for a lot of shows. Do you? People said, oh, that was a really good show. I'll get one yeah. every two weeks when someone will say that impacted me. Um, I'll get people saying how they liked our energy. Or, yeah, that's what they'll say a lot more. Yeah. Um, but uh, the I think this is going to be a very well viewed show, oh, Andy Shalev. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so the impersonal versus personal. So if I say you, you're you've got a scarcity mindset, right? You've got this. Then I'm projecting onto the person, and then I'm personifying it. I'm making it part of who they are. Yeah. And if I point at a behavior, and then I make it, I make it progressively less personal, and then it it's a nuance. It doesn't mean that they're not going to take it personally. I can't affect how you, how you uh, receive, receive a, a, a message. But what I can do is take responsibility that at least I'm not uh, triggering that response unnecessarily. Is there, is there another, like, because scarcity is used in, in a kind of negative, uh, it's loaded with that. Yeah. Yeah. Of and course. of course you can, you can say it in a, in a way that doesn't have judgment, but it, is there another word for scarcity? Uh, scarcity would be, uh, that would be the word I used earlier when I said limiting downside risk. Oh yeah. One way of saying it, there's probably four ways of reframing the word scarcity. In fact, people listening might even write some in, but just Google it. People let yeah, us know. Exactly. Let us know what the synonyms are. Uh, but yeah, I would, uh, I associate scarcity with looking at the world through the lens of whatever I do, I want to make sure that I I, I stop any problem that arises. Yeah. So that would be more of the lens in the scarcity set. And then say. taking a step further, because yeah. I, I, I have a few people in, or we have people in our life is I want to, I want to anticipate the problems because I do not want, because it impacts my identity. Yeah. 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 Oh, Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, you, that you, face. You're, you're getting to the, the 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 big ticket item, which is why do we do certain things? And we almost always do a thing because we have an identity associated that we do want to be or what we don't want to be. Right. Mm. Me not wanting to be like my dad meant that I suppressed my anger, which meant I'd suppress it to a point where I'd explode and be my dad. So, yeah, the, the identity of not wanting to be a thing will often define what we become yeah, yeah clearly which I, is I, I was scared for a long time being a failure yeah i remember we did a lot of shows where you were really like feeling that go to the beginning <laughs> rewind how is that for you now like you ask me and i have to really look for it <laughs> yeah yeah I, I see that I needed to go through the belief system of being a failure. Mm. I was already scared of it, so I was already living that. 
So in a way, going through it was the biggest gift because in a way, embracing it was uh, really key. Yeah. Finding peace with being a failure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's funny because I, I, you know, I think I told you the people that I have some of the most admiration for in my life are the ones that maybe societally would be seen as not having succeeded. Like I told you, I have an actor friend who just dedicated to acting and he's now in his 50s and he's barely succeeded in terms of getting roles, but he stayed true to desiring and wanting and following that path. I have so much respect for that guy. Like he followed the thing that he wanted and he allowed himself to just continue down that route, even if it was a struggle and not easy. Like yeah. that's that's where you'll see my respect and appreciation of people like just blossom. The dedication to a craft, even if they're not uh, by societal standards succeeding. Right. There, There's a quality of having lived. Mm. Yeah. And, and I think, I think, would I, would I, can I use the word survival? Be, being almost in a survival mm -hmm. and sourcing from inside yourself how to make things work. And if they work, that's, that's like constantly playing with a, with a Kubrick thing mm. and it keeps on shifting by itself and you, but there's also the other side, right? If, if you're always in that state and you're stressed, it, it, what I saw in myself, it was really difficult for me to get creative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It, yeah, your creativity is stifled by anxiety and fear. Yeah. Yeah, clearly. Uh, there's a lot of uh, comments coming in uh, that would be good to uh, to at least touch on because uh, the, the, it, it's about things we've spoken about. So I'd stick with the Chris Garrell comment here because I think maybe what the way I articulated it earlier wasn't in alignment with uh, – with what I see as the comment back, I am with Bolong in that I do not see a good engineer mindset as scarcity. So I didn't necessarily ever use the word engineer. Um, in the role of an engineer, I'd say their role. We use managers, right? Yeah, we said manager. And the role as a manager would be to implement a project that's been visioned out by making sure that you take away everything that would stop the project from failing. Yeah. So that would be the the definition. So, um, so Chris writes, it, uh, it it's their role to see where the train will derail. Scarcity comes from the self belief that I'm not enough. Yeah, I certainly see Chris is pointing that scarcity is not necessarily saying I'm not enough. Or is it also similar? I can't. He says scarcity comes from a self-belief that I'm not enough. Yeah. Uh, so so he's not seeing it as a quality, if mm -hmm. I'm getting him right. Yeah. And what you were saying, depending on the context, it can be a quality. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm putting a pretty confined uh, uh, context on this. So I'm, I'm looking at it. Engineers. I can't say would be the ones I'd ever put in that category. I haven't given much thought to it. I just know when I'm working with a manager of people who are implementing projects, their mindset is often, how do I make sure to get everything out of the way that would stop that project from derailing? Yeah. 
and uh, and 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 I know in my mind I have equated that with myself with uh, anxiety and anticipation of what can go wrong, and I've seen that quality at least associated with more scarcity. Mm. So, it, but it may be stretching it. So I, I am uh, fully. Uh, um, I think Chris, we should have you on and let's talk about yes, this. Yes, we should do a whole another show on that subject. Engineering mindset as scarcity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there, uh, there's one more thing and uh, yeah. gr- gratitude, we didn't really go into it, but it, I, I do see it's really a big thing. Yeah. And the second thing is for me, which really helped, um, during COVID mm. or in, in at least the last part of COVID, even though we're still in COVID, um, I've, I've been having breakfast with certain individuals on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. You and Ronnie, I see almost daily. But I, I kind of hang out with people who are just happy. Yeah. And, and like, fuck, rub onto me, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it, it's been great. Wow. How, and how is that? Cause like, did you, you, so you stopped spending time with others that weren't necessarily happy. Is yeah. that what? Yeah. Okay. Or, that, or the, feeling a little bit stuck and, so these individuals I love, they're, for, for what I see, they're very content in what they do. They're very good at what they do. They're nice in their relationships. And I'm like, yeah, I want a bit of that in my life. Let's, uh, yeah. and, and it's a mutual thing. They like hang out with me. So we do breakfast and, or lunch. Mm. And so during my work week, I dedicate to having one or two hours where I spend time with certain individuals just to, um, uh, what do you call it when you do the brain? Uh, prone, prime, 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 brain. Brain. prime, the brain. You want, you want a bit of them to rub off on you. Yeah. Osmosis. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can't deny that it, it's, it sparks of my day. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I notice that I bring people in my world that continue to create more of what I want in my life. And, um, and what I usually, what I long for most is connection. So I like to be around people that are connected. Mm. Are you coming to my authentic relating workshop on no. the weekend? <laughs> because I like, I like to be alone connected. <laughs> no, I mean, I talk to five or six clients a day. So I work and, and it's interesting because if you're working with people intimately for that many hours in a day, going to an authentic relating evening isn't the first thing you you want to do because you've been connecting all day already. Yeah. At least that's, that's the way I uh, have experienced <sighs> it. Yeah. Any last words? I believe that we've talked about this subject and, but we haven't pointed out that if you look at like spiritual practices across the board, everyone is touching upon this way of being in the world in some shape or form. So, and, and I see it utilized in different ways to, to, um, to push to the way an audience likes to receive a message. So when we did the three guru sessions, if I'm the self-help guru, then I'm going to say, hey, you don't have an abundance mindset. Yeah. The sole purpose guru, so, oh, living your full purpose. They're also very much addressing the scarcity They'll just do it in softer terms often. And then the kind of more the enlightened guru type, they're pointing at the fact that the idea of scarcity and abundance is already 
a part of your identity. So how do you see through that part mm. of your identity? So it's far more of an elevated looking down on, on, on yourself. So what, um, what, 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 just what I'm saying is, is that I believe that we've discussed it at very blandly in our own lives, but you'll find it everywhere. It's very much utilized by everyone in different ways. Have a great weekend. A wonderful chaos. It's a wonderful chaos. We like it that way. <laughs>